When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Football Social Daily. The crown awaits with a 100% up to £150, plus 50 free spins over your first two deposits at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. Be gambleaware.org. Hello, welcome along to Football Social Daily. We've had a few days away, but now we're back and there's loads of transfer news to get our teeth stuck into. This is the only podcast that you can listen to every single day of the football season that will keep you bang up to date with all the latest news, views and opinion from the English Premier League. Just a couple of weeks to go now and the season will be back underway again. It's only been a short break, but the Premier League is on the horizon. Plans for the season have begun, but what about plans for a curtailment if coronavirus strikes again? We'll be talking about that on today's podcast, following the news that Wolves player Adama Traore has contracted the disease. Also, we'll be talking a little bit about the Spurs documentary. How did Jose Mourinho come across after the first batch of episodes were released over the bank holiday weekend? And of course, all the latest transfer rumours and done deals across the Premier League. My name's Niall. Alongside me on today's podcast, we've got Marley Anderson. Hello, Marley. Hello, mate. And we've also got Steve McNaughton. Hi, Steve. Good morning. Good morning to you both. Right, let's get straight on with this because there is a a fair bit of transfer news to crack into. But before we start that, I wanted to ask you guys about coronavirus. We've spoken about it so many times on the podcast, as has been the situation worldwide over the last six to eight months. Football has been affected by this quite largely. It's still not gone away. And that's been proven in the fact that over the last couple of weeks, we've seen players test positive for coronavirus, not just in the Premier League, but around the world as well. So this disease certainly hasn't gone away. It's still bearing its teeth at its full force. So what happens then if we see a second spike in coronavirus? We are entering now the back end of 2020 unbelievably we're now into september which means we are on the home straight towards the end of the year as the weather gets colder particularly here in the united kingdom the chances are that diseases are going to start to come to the fore again and coronavirus will be one of those so in the event that covid19 strikes again marley and does stop the season uh, do you think the premier league really do need to make a solid action plan to decide what happens next or do you think they should just follow along the lines of Project Restart, which we saw a couple of months back. Uh, it's a difficult one, really, because there's no... 
as we said at the time when when this happened, there's no sort of solution that would satisfy everybody. Mm. Like you might say, okay, we'll end the season after twenty games, and uh, you know if, if there's a second spike after twenty games, then the league the league standings are final, and we'll just go again next year or wait for it to pass or what have you. But you know the bottom three are still going to be fuming that they've missed out on eighteen games um, and get relegated for for a, a reason that they might think they can get out of it and they probably have a case in uh, to put to towards the argument there so um it'll be it'll be really tough again but as long I think as long as you've got a, a set plan before the season starts then then fine um but considering the the government have never had a set plan to deal with this thing in the in the in the in the wider scheme of things, then the chances of the Premier League sorting something out is uh, is it's not as straightforward as it looks because you've got the sponsors to deal with, you've got the TV money, you've got the you know the the worldwide broadcasting rights and everything like that. So it's tough. Um, hopefully, it doesn't come to that um, because it just you know it, it just stops everything pretty much as it just began again um yeah. and hopefully you know people can't people can't get away from the fact that football is um a a perfect breeding ground for a disease because if you're putting 50,000 people in a stadium that's from a disease point of view that's absolutely stupid um and from a virus spreading point of view you know no amount of masks gloves or ppe is going to protect you from spreading it when you're mm. you're shoulder to shoulder with 50 other fans trying to get out uh, on the concourse kind of thing uh, getting away from a football match and into the into the open air so it's um as long as they've got a plan in place you can kind of say well you know tough if you're bottom after 20 games because we said that was what it was going to mm. be and therefore, you know, you you bottom after twenty games. So, as per the rules, you are relegated. Like, mm. sorry, Aston Villa or whoever's bottom after twenty <laughs> is that games. Your Fulham for the or Newcastle, whoever it is. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Um. So yeah, as long, as long as you get a set rules in place, I don't think you can complain that much. I think it's a really good point, actually, because there are all these talks, Steve, weren't there, around Project Restart about a possible legal claim against the Premier League if teams were relegated unfairly due to a curtailment or stoppage of the season and the season just having a line drawn under it. So the Premier League will hopefully have learnt from those situations and drawn up an action plan so in the event of a covid spike and the season getting curtailed again they can turn around and say well actually listen you knew that when you started the season on the 12th of september that if this happened again this would be the end scenario i mean that would be a a, a fair way of doing it if everyone knew what they were buying into yeah for sure i think that's the common sense way of doing it isn't it and i think you know i hope that the premier league see it the way that you know, me, you and Marley see it and they go, actually, this is the, if you like, the charter for the new season. Um, you know, we have got this kind of threat looming again because we're seeing cases rise. Um, so everyone needs to sign into it and buy into it and sign various disclaimers and, you know, to ensure there's no legal action taken, um, you know, down the line. Because I tell you what, it would have been interesting this year after 20 games if, uh, you know, seeing who'd have gone down, uh, that's for sure. Um, but I think it's it's we've got to have our house in order with it now. We've got to be absolutely to the letter on it, and every single person, like you say, Nile, has got to be absolutely clear on where they stand should the worst case scenario arise. And if that's after 
18 games, 20 games, whatever. Um, I think we've we've got to kind of adhere that, so mm. we can start the next season whenever that will be, you know, properly. Um, but it's an absolute minefield. Uh, it really is, and I think that um, project restart was was. I, I mean, it was good to have football back, but you know, let's be quite frank about it. It was a bit, shit, wasn't it? Mm. <laughs> so mm. it's just, I, I, you know, be very keen to avoid. I mean, I was encouraged by Brighton having two and a half thousand fans in the Amex at the weekend. You know, for the friendly with Chelsea. And um, you know, hopefully, we we start to get a bit of momentum on that front. But hmm. it, it's so tricky because we can't see down the line what's going to happen. Um, yeah. You know, we're, we're meant to be starting again on the twelfth of September. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Hmm. We have seen small groups of fans, as you say, up to around uh, a few thousand going into stadiums over the bank holiday weekend, mainly in the non-league scene. So it'd be interesting to see the feedback from that and actually figure out how we can move forward in terms of getting fans back into stadiums but kind of adding to the point you just made there Steve is it hard for you to get excited about the new season obviously Liverpool have just won the Premier League for the first time the first league title in 30 years it's something to be excited about you've had your short period now to enjoy it but it's back into the into the fray again and the start of a new season but with coronavirus kind of lingering and looming and hanging over us all is it difficult to get as excited for the start of a new campaign just because you do have that seed in the back of your mind possibly it could get stopped again yeah, I think so. I think um, it the, the whole thing's a bit weird, really. And I was talking about it with some friends over the weekend, and um, you know, I think that plans for a parade in October or November. I think that's just just now. Uh, I don't think you know the vast majority of people will be that interested in doing that. But I just think that um, yeah, it's the new. Se- I'm, I'm indifferent with the new season because I didn't enjoy project restart i mean we, we you know we, we just had to get the job done in, in project mm. restart but and it was nice when it was done but i don't think any of us enjoyed it i mean largely we, we were pretty crap to be fair um you know in project restart i thought and um i just think it's it, as liverpool fan uh, at the minute that will tell you there's a bit of trepidation about our kind of lack of it, activity and um you know i, I think there's you know, there's some concerns from a Liverpool point of view. I, I don't think they're going to be anywhere near winning it this year, uh, if I'm honest. Um, or this season, should we say, not this year. Um, and it's just one of them. I just think, yeah, it's starting. But I wouldn't be asked if it started in November, to be fair. No, I think I agree with that, Steve. I think maybe it's just because we're used to having a longer break between the end of one season and the start of another. And we were due to have a, a European Championships this summer, which, of course, was called off due to coronavirus. What about you, Marley? Obviously, you know, with... Newcastle at the moment there was talks of a takeover over the last few months throughout the course of lockdown and then obviously the situ- <laughs> well you wouldn't ever know it now looking at Newcastle <laughs> United you know with the way that the plug was pulled on that and obviously there was lots of excitement around St James's Park to begin with about the new season Newcastle bunch of investment a new future on the horizon now that that's kind of drained away a little bit and we've got coronavirus as I said kind of still there in the background or in the foreground, I should say, really. Um, is it the same for you? Are you slightly sort of tempered in your excitement and expectations for the new season? Uh, I wouldn't. No, I'd say I'd probably the uh, the same as I am in uh, in other se- in other seasons. If it was an, if it was a a normal season, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at our squad going, "How the hell are we going to stay up?" <laughs> uh, I'm looking at our business and going, "We're not doing enough." We're not signing strikers. We're not signing wingers. Why are we signing defenders when we've already got six centre backs? I'm I'm pretty much the same as as uh, as normal, really. It's it's strange that it's come around so quickly. Um, I think 
the Champions League final was played and a couple of days later Newcastle were playing a pre-season friendly and a lot of other teams were playing pre-season friendlies and the French League started you know, the six days later and the Community Shield was there, so that was a bit weird. But mm. uh, to be honest, pre- normal in normal years, yeah, I can have about four or five days of pre-season and then with, you know, with the job we do and it's just... It's like getting blood out of a stone, isn't it? It becomes bloody hard to mm. to do a podcast when there's no football on. It becomes hard to talk about things and produce social media content when there's nothing to talk about except rumours and things like that. So um, it's yeah, yeah, fair play. I mean, yeah, we've only had, what, like 20-odd days between the end of this last season and the start of the new one. But, mm. you know, there's plenty to to go at there's you know three three new teams there's all the all the spending that's going on fantasy football's back so even for you know you're even looking at Fulham squad and thinking oh who can I get it's good value in that kind of Mm -hmm. thing so it's just everything's normal for me I don't really I think the longer you spend worrying about what might happen like we can't do anything about it can you you can't stop coronavirus uh, myself so I can't think oh what might happen mm. at the end of the day I think if Newcastle was 17th and coronavirus stopped the season I'd probably be quite happy so <laughs> it, uh, it it is what it is when, when it comes to that yeah I can't do anything to stop it so there's no point worrying about it for me definitely and mentioning talking points there I do think that this summer transfer window's already been more exciting than last season particularly considering the way that everyone was talking about how transfer fees are going to be low and there might not be many big money signings well Chelsea have gone completely against the grain of course we know they had a bit of money to spend due to the transfer embargo but we've seen some real big names move to and fro from different clubs and it's really exciting and hopefully we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later on in the podcast but it's time for a quick break here on Football Social Daily don't forget to hit subscribe because when the season does get up and running and again, which is the 12th of September, we'll be bringing you a daily podcast and you don't want to miss it. So hit that subscribe button and we'll be back after this. Football Social Daily. The crown awaits with a 100% up to £150 plus 50 free spins over your first two deposits at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. Be gambleaware.org. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Football Social Daily, the podcast from Sports Social with daily Premier League news and opinion every single day of the football season. A brand new episode of the show for you. I'm Niall. I've got Stephen Marley with me on today's show. We've been discussing what might happen in the season if coronavirus comes back to haunt us again. So the Premier League need to get their ducks in order in order to make sure that the season can continue or stop depending on what the situation might be and talking of coronavirus over the last week we've seen two Premier League players test positive for the disease which shows that this is certainly something which isn't going to go away anytime soon the first was Paul Pogba the Manchester United player who's always got a media storm following him no matter what he does or where he goes and the second was Adama Traore of Wolves another player who's had an excellent season last season with Wolves He's in the Spain side and he's had to, actually had to withdraw uh, from training with his teammates at this current moment until he gets a second test just to ensure that he is all clear of coronavirus. But all I would say, Steve, is some players, don't they? They attract more attention than others. It's natural. It's a part of the game. But the fact that Paul Pogba tested positive and there were plenty of news articles about it on pretty much every single football news site, including ours, and yet Adama Traore tests positive for coronavirus and it's a little more than a ripple in the ocean. Yeah. I think that with Paul Pogba, there's a circus that comes with him, whatever he does, isn't there? Whether he's got a new haircut or whether he's been out for a night out or whatever. 
And I think it just comes with the territory that whereas Adama is, is obviously a super talented footballer and I'd certainly sooner have him in my squad than, than Pogba, uh, you know, that's for sure. But I think he just goes about his business, doesn't he, in a quiet way and um, you know, does his talking on the pitch and and he is a bit more lower profile and I think, you know, unless you're a uh, certainly a Wolves fan or a Premier League football watcher, you know, you're not gonna know who he is and I think that He's, he's probably quite relieved that he is flying a bit under the radar with that, to be fair, because I think it must drive Pogba mad. Uh, I mean, he's created that monster, but, you know, it's just, um, I mean, having the whole world talking about you having coronavirus must be a real head wrecker, <laughs> you know. Um, but I think that, uh, yeah, Adama's a, a fit lad. He'll probably kind of get through it quite quickly, and I'm sure he'll uh, eventually play for Spain because that's the second time he's pulled out, isn't it, after being named in the squad? Yeah, definitely. I think he's just shown how good he can be. And it was that end product for Adama last season, Marley, wasn't it? Lots of people were questioning the season before that whether you know, he had all this ability and everyone knows how quick and strong he is. That's a given, but certainly with the ball at his feet, his end product wasn't particularly great. But this season, or the season just gone, I should say, he certainly turned it on and, and found those assists and found those pockets of space and able to deliver balls into the box. And that was certainly the market improvement in his game. Yeah, 100%. He was always athletically amazing. Um, he was always incredibly quick. He can dribble. Um, and he's obviously his physique is is well talked about because he's built like a, a a light heavyweight boxer. He's absolutely huge. Um, but it was always going to be that final product. I, I I can't even put a number on how many wingers you see over the years that are fast and can can beat three men down the wing, but can't cross the ball to save their life or pick out a pass. Uh, it's the one. It's the one quality that sort of sets you apart as a winger. Like, are you worth? 10 million or are you worth you know 35 40 million kind mm. of thing so um but Adama really struggled with that earlier in his career I mean there was a reason why he was at Middlesbrough in the championship and that's because he had no end product he was just raw he was just pace he was just uh physical uh, he just had the physical attributes he didn't have the technical uh skills to back it up but last season um in particular he, he was absolutely brilliant his crossing was was all of a sudden right there. Um, his passing, his chance creation, his intelligence to dribble out of certain situations and pass it in others, and his defensive um, output. I think he played wing back a few times for Wolves. That's that shows that he's uh, Nuno trusts him going backwards as well as forwards, um, and you know not, not to switch off and uh, and lose your man kind of thing. So he's turned into a really really quality player because a lot of a lot of wingers don't ever get that I mean I'm thinking of like thinking of Theo Walcott for example mm. he was always rapid he was always lightning he's never really been able to cross a ball in his career really has he Jesus Navas get... another Navas, one yeah Navas is another one there's there's countless ones isn't there there's I mean we had we've had loads in Newcastle Florian Tauvan very very good mm. player uh, very fantastic um, dribbler couldn't cross a ball to save his life and played on the right, so he always had to cut inside, so he was one-dimensional. Whereas Adama's got the power to come inside and and, and make his presence known there um, and to go on the outside with his pace and, and then now provide a cross. So he's turned into a top-quality player and there's, that's the reason why when he's linked with moves, you, you're seeing fees like 60 million and, and 40, 50, 60 million like banded around to, to get him away from Wolves. So... 
all of a sudden he's turned into one of these amazing players and he's one of the, mm. the most watchable guys in the Premier League, I think. Yeah, nine assists last season for Adama Traore and obviously a great season for Wolves, uh, not just in Europe, but also in the Premier League as well. The way they turned it around after a poor start to last season should be commended. But is the real litmus test for Adama, Steve, whether he can do it again next season? Because obviously the couple of seasons he's had in the Premier League before last season, they weren't as productive, weren't as fruitful, whereas last season, as I've mentioned, nine assists and certainly his best season in the top flight to date. So is the real acid test whether he can do it again this upcoming campaign and prove that he really is a consistent performer? Yeah, I think that you know, for sure. I think um, you know people will be keeping a you know a close eye on that i mean he's been linked with with moves as he this summer and i think um with some of the money that's been bandied about you'd be thinking oh you know there is an element of, of risk attached to it and i think that um he seems fairly settled at wolves i might i might add um you know and he's, he's obviously done well for them last season but i just think it's going to be very interesting how how he kicks on and whether he can because you know he's not a you know, uh, Nuno doesn't start him every game at Wolves, does he? Uh, which is quite interesting as well. And um, yeah, there's, he's got a lot of admirers, and I think he's got to sort his injury issues out because that shoulder of his is a is a real concern. So I think anyone you know that's got an eye on him will be will be worried of that situation because because he's dislocated it quite a lot, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I'm I'm watching with with interest. I think that. Um, as a Liverpool fan, who, who you could see him, you know, playing in the Liverpool squad at some point in the future. Certainly, if there's a bit of movement in the near future uh, or distant future, but um, I, I've got everything crossed for him. I think you know, I think he can become a big player for Spain, and I think he can he can really kick on um, if he keeps applying himself. But he's got a great manager who's managing him to perfection. I think at the minute. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see how Adama Traore and Wolverhampton Wanderers go in the upcoming 2021 season. I'm also very keen to see how Tottenham Hotspur get on after a full season under Jose Mourinho. Of course, Jose got came in halfway through last campaign after Maurizio Pochettino's shock sacking at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. They've just released an Amazon documentary, Marley. I know you're big into your uh, your football documentaries, apart from, of course, Sunderland Till I Die, <laughs> although you use that for comedy value rather than informational purposes. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you watched any of the Tottenham documentary? It's called All or Nothing on Amazon Prime. I have, yeah. Um, I think they've only released three episodes uh, up to now, but I've watched them all. Um, it's good. It's. Do you know, I was thinking. Um, thinking when I was I was watching it, it's perfect for Jose Mourinho. Like he wasn't involved in obviously getting you know setting setting the whole thing up. He came into it when Pochettino was manager. Um, and he replaced him, and that's kind of what the first couple of episodes centers around. But we, you know, a lot of people have talked about how Mourinho is is kind of Harry's powers on the wing. Is he as good as he used to be, and what have you? Um, but this, mm. I think this um, this documentary is perfect for to just to just to sort of remind people of of how he works and what he does inside the inside the club and what, how good a sort of man manager he is and that kind of thing um, so I think it's it's the perfect PR for him uh, as a manager to to sort of rebuild his reputation a little bit because he's coming across really well um, he's he's funny he's doing um, he's obviously the, the results turned around when he came in um, in that first I think first six or seven games they, they went up to sort of fifth I think they were like up nine places or something like that so um, 
he's, he's coming across really well, uh, and there's a, obviously there's a few standout bits where when he he turns, there's people talking about him on I think it's like a radio station or something, and he's taught, he's he's hearing people say, oh you know. <laughs> Josie has he's not got it anymore he's lost it and he just gets up and he says F- off at the uh, at the TV and just turns it off um but it's it's brilliant um it's good it's a good watch so uh, happy days yeah definitely something to uh, to get your teeth stuck into if you haven't seen it yet um also we're in it <laughs> football social daily is actually in the uh, in the documentary for a brief period, I think we're in episode five. But as Marley says, we've not yet uh, been able to see that episode because it's not been released yet. But all the signs at the moment, Steve, are pointing to the fact that it is a good watch, and Jose Mourinho comes across well, and the players, the manager, and the chairman, they all come across all right as well. Uh, but how do you see it? Is it somewhat of a PR exercise for Tottenham Hotspur? Do you think it is just you know trying to get the name out there that Jose isn't the kind of the demon that everyone says he is? I think it, I think there's the, it's multifaceted. I think that the, the first and foremost, you know, I think you're right. There's there's a bit of a brand management around Jose. You know, going on going on there. Um, Jose's box office. He always has been, mm. and you know, you, everyone wants to watch Jose. And it's a funny one with Jose because you want him to be doing okay, but not too okay. You know what I mean? And um, you want him to be in that kind of. Uh, uncomfortable position where he's not quite smashing it, but he's not on his last legs. You know what I mean? Um, I've not seen it. I, you know, I, I should be. Uh, I should watch it. I love the Sunderland one. You know, the two seasons of Sunderland till I die, and the Leeds United one was was good as well. And um, I, I'll have to get into it uh, hopefully tonight. But um, I think Tottenham are they're a funny club, Tottenham, and we've given Tottenham quite a bit of stick on the podcast over there you know, the period that we've been doing it. And I think, you know, someone's probably looked at looked at it and said, how can we turn Tottenham or or get Tottenham a bit more a bit more of a grasp in, in world football, you know, in terms of kind of shirt sales, kind of, you know, social media interaction and uh, and, and and you know brand management and uh, because they're not successful and they've not been successful for a very, very long time, apart from I think didn't they win the League Cup in 2012? Uh, I think that was the last was that the last thing they won, something like that. Um, or 15 um, I can't quite remember 2008 that, but, um, I think they, the last trophy they won was the League Cup in 2008 wow. so Portsmouth okay, my club so, have been down in League 2 for 5 seasons and now in League 1 for 4 seasons so in that time in that 10 years we've had a trophy more recently than Spurs which says a lot I think yeah definitely and I think that if, you, if you're kind of you know the people that are running Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspur you've got that brand new Stadium, which is out of this world, it is absolutely phenomenal. And um, but but they're, they're nowhere near the biggest club in London. Uh, never mind, you know, one of the biggest clubs in the Premier League. You know, Chelsea and Arsenal for me are bigger clubs than Tottenham, uh, and they've got a bit more heritage, and they've certainly on a on a global scale, they've got more appeal, I think, than Tottenham Hotspur. And I think Spurs will be looking at it and going, how can we kind of try and bridge that gap a little bit? And you know, putting a documentary out on Amazon and going. You know, balls to the wall and showing everything and showing Jose kind of with his team talks in in training and and seeing a candid side of of Jose and the club how it's run and certainly Daniel Levy because there's a bit of mystique mm-hmm. about him. All we know about Daniel Levy is that he's absolutely horrendous to negotiate with apparently, <laughs> and um, you know and don't ask for any uh, shirts with Modric on the back of it. Um, but I knew that was just, coming. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just so I think that there's there's all kinds of reasons why. Um, Tottenham have probably reached out to Amazon and said, you know, we'd be up for doing that if 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 you would, because I think 
Um, you know, it's. I think they approached Liverpool and Klopp said absolutely not to it. And um, I, I think, you know, fair play to Amazon for putting this stuff together. I think it's really enjoyable. Yeah, I do think their football coverage has come on really well. I mean, even the Amazon Prime TV coverage of Premier League games uh, over the course of last season was actually very, very good, I thought. Anyway, the Tottenham documentary Spurs All or Nothing, I'm sure we'll be commenting about it a little bit more as the episodes get released here on Football Social Daily. But that's it for the second part of the podcast. We'll be back after this with a little bit more on the latest top flight transfer news. Football Social Daily. The crown awaits with a 100% up to £150, plus 50 free spins over your first two deposits at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. Be gambleaware.org. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Time to talk top flight transfers and let's start with some of the rumours that are doing the rounds in the Premier League. The first one comes from Manchester United and Ajax respectively where Donny van der Beek has been linked with a move to Old Trafford. Now Marley, we know how good a player van der Beek is. We've seen what he can do for Ajax. We've seen what he's done in the Champions League at the highest level of European football. What can he actually bring to Old Trafford? Because they've already got a very, very strong midfield. Manchester United looking good for the upcoming season. they finished the last season in style so what can van der Beek bring to uh, to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side do you think uh, just a, an added bit of uh, bit of quality I was thinking about um, the way Man United might line up with, with him and um, I don't I don't really know where him Pogba and Fernandez fit into the same the same midfield for me because I think if you're playing a three man midfield you need an anchor man which is probably Matic or McTominay and you play two guys ahead of him which is Pogba and Fernandez Um and then if you play a five-man midfield, you've got to play one of Fernandez, Pogba and van der Beek out of position because if you've got the two defensive midfielders, again, you've got to assume one's Matic or McTominay and the other's probably Pogba. Um, I think Solskjaer, there's been rumours of Solskjaer talking to van der Beek and saying he wants to play him as a number 10, but I think Bruno Fernandez is, is a number 10, so he doesn't really play from, from a wing. He plays more behind the, the front three kind of thing. So it's a bit of a strange one for um, for sort of formation-wise, but he's a, he's a good signing because he's better than everything Man United have got, bar Fernandez probably, um, and possibly Pogba if he, if he fancies it, as we've, we've talked about before. You know, if Pogba fancies it, there's not many players better than him. Um, if he doesn't, you need somebody who can come in and replace him if he gets injured or if he's... I mean, he's currently got coronavirus, so he, he might miss the start of the season depending on how his uh, recovery goes. Um, so van der Beek's uh, a very good player um, and he's, I think he's good business of £40 million as well considering I think Fred was £50 million, and if Fred's £50 million, then to get van der Beek for 40 is is much better business. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's good. It's good for Man United. Um I think a lot of people just just talking about Fred there for it's just reminded me. I think a lot of people um a lot of Man United fans are saying sort of, you know, Fred Fred's a good Fred's a really good player, he's improved a lot and he ha- he has improved a lot, but he was absolutely garbage for about a year and he was, he was 50 million quid. <laughs> so to be honest, Fred has done the bare minimum playing playing as he has last season is the bare minimum you expect from a Brazilian 27, 28-year-old centre midfielder who costs you 50 million quid. And all of a sudden, he's getting all this praise 
about, you know, because he's passing the ball to his own teammates. And it's like, yeah, well, that's what you expect. Mm. Like, the standards at Man United seem to have really dropped in the last few years of, of how fans look at their players. And they're sort of like, oh, yeah, Fred, Fred's really good now. And it's like, he's not. He's just what you'd expect of a £50 million midfielder. Bruno Fernandes is really good because he's, he's even better than what you expected. As is Greenwood, as is um, Martial as a centre forward scoring eighteen goals or whatever it was last season, it was he was doing more than you expect. So Van der Beek coming in, I think he'll he'll play the socks off Fred. I think Fred will get as many opportunities, and I don't think he deserves them to be honest. I think Fred's got to reinvent himself and get back into that that squad because um, Van der Beek will probably be ahead of him, and Pogba and Fernandez and Matic are all ahead of him as well. So. It's uh, it's another option for Man United though, um, and it's what they need because, as I said, mm. you know if if you lose a couple of players, all of a sudden you're then relying on Jesse Lingard and Andreas Pereira, who are never ever going to be good enough to play for Man United, I don't think. So to have that option and to have that um, Dutch international coming in um, with his sort of profile is is uh, where you want to be as as Man United. So. Mm. It's uh, it's good for them. Yeah, definitely. It'd be interesting to see where Ole Gunnar Solskjaer does deploy Van der Beek in the Manchester United midfield next season, presuming he does pen terms at Old Trafford. Also, Everton are looking at deals for James Rodriguez and Alan. So James Rodriguez, of course, at Real Madrid and Alan uh, from Napoli. The Alan deal has been in the pipeline for months. Uh, Carlo Ancelotti's been chasing the man from his former club and he's also been chasing another man from another former club, James Rodriguez. And we spoke about this on the podcast uh, before the weekend. So we know that these two deals are certainly in the offing, Steve. Um, your question, I'm sure, will be as a Liverpool fan, where are they getting their money from? Because... Also this week, they've revealed new stadium plans. So we could see a double swoop for two different players from top European clubs and more plans for the new stadium at Everton. But it still feels, even though if they sign these two players, it's going to be like, well, what about the rest of the team? And you still don't fancy them to finish in the Europa League spots. I don't know why. No, I think it's it, it's interesting because I think, obviously, uh, you know the two two guys that are, are, are you know, signing a... A quality players I think you know they are really good players but again it's more midfielders for Everton isn't it and um, you know with what is an unbalanced squad as it is and um, you know but fair play they, they just seem to have endless pockets uh, Everton you know every kind of single window they you know they, they look to be spending certainly kind of in excess of you know 70 plus million uh, you know I mean I think one window a few years about 200 million they spent and um, for the new stadium, you know, I do think they need a new stadium. Um, you know, I think, I don't know, we've been here before with Everton and new stadiums a few times. And, you know, obviously the the Bramley Moor dock was was touted and being ready for summer 2020. And, it, you know, there's not even a spade in the ground yet. And um, now there's new designs on it, you know, to incorporate a, a plaza that, that's, you know, so I don't know. I think Everton have, Everton can't be finishing 12th or 13th in the Premier League um, with Carlo Ancelotti in charge and the money that gets thrown about from that club, you know what I mean?
Uh, I mean, I, do you know, this is the first I've heard of it, uh, that Glenn Murray's gone to Watford, and uh, I, I don't know how I missed that yesterday, but um, it, it is a miss for Brighton because, you know, he's 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 done well for them and he's been he's a bit of a stalwart there and obviously he's scored some vital goals. But having said that, I think Watford in the Championship is a good level for him at this point in his career. Um, I think, you know, he's, he's a big, strong guy up top and uh, he holds the ball up well. And um, I think Watford will will probably look to look to move Troy Deeney on. I think he's been heavily linked with West Brom, hasn't he? Um, you know, I think West Brom have got an interest in, him and I could see see that move happening. I think you know, West Brom are going to need a bit of that um, when they come up into the Premier League next season because again, they've you know they've spent a couple of quid, but you know not the level of cash that you'd expect to mount a serious challenge at staying up in the Premier League. Um, and I could see Troy Deeney being that kind of, you know, that that voice in the dressing room, and um, you know, getting people fired up. And um, obviously, he's very opinionated, says what he thinks. And um, I think he could, you know, he he'll, he'll do a job for wherever he goes, really. Um, but it's an interesting one that. But I think we're in the with what's happened with the coronavirus and stuff, we're in this like kind of transfer merry go round at the minute, aren't we? Where a lot of clubs are kind of, unless you're Everton, are going one in, one out, you know, in certain departments, aren't they? Yeah, and also Glenn Murray's reveal photo on the Watford Football Club Twitter account has confirmed to me that they have officially the worst home kit of any football league side for the start of next season. It is absolutely abysmal. Shocker. If, if yellow and black couldn't be difficult enough to make to look good, let alone wait till you see this, honestly. Um, anyway, Glenn Murray goes uh, to Watford. Um, Troy Deeney uh, to West Brom, something Steve mentioned there. Uh, West Brom, of course, we know they've got not firepower, but they've got some decent players. Um, obviously, they've got Charlie Austin up front, who does have Premier League experience, but... You know, any sort of experience will be welcomed from a promoted side coming up into the Premier League, won't it, Marley? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's invaluable when you uh, you know you you expect to be scrapping down there. I think Charlie Austin's had that. He still go back to his amazing season at QPR all them years ago. Um, something like six or seven years ago now. I think he got eighteen in in a team that was uh, relegated. So. He's got the he's got the know how. He's been around the block a few times. Obviously, I think he's uh, he's knocking on a bit now. So you wouldn't expect him to uh, you know to score you know, 12, 13, 14 goals. Uh, at, at, he's only thirty one, but he's not. You, you expect West Brom to not create as many chances as they did in, in the uh, in the Championship, and and therefore him not get that many goals, but. If they were to bring in a player like Deeney, for example, they they would all of a sudden they would look more um, more prepared for the fight kind of thing. Because if you're if you've got Deeney and Austin up front, that becomes a handful. Like even on a bad day, they're going to be a handful for the defenders um, that they're playing against. So it could be a good move. I don't know whether they'll get it over the line or not. Obviously, Deeney's from from Birmingham, isn't he? So he might fancy a, a move close to uh, to where he grew up, but. We'll see if it comes off, but I do think West Brom need a little bit more because at the at the minute I can't see them um, having enough to to survive kind of thing. But um, with with two experienced strikers up front, you you give yourself a fighting chance. They've got players like um, is it Pereira, the the midfielder. He's he looks really good, um, but it's the defence I worry about a little bit. Uh, I don't think they've got quite enough back there, so. We'll see what they can do before the start of the season, but I think they will start as sort of 
one of the favourites to go to go back down again, mm. um, which won't please Lee. <laughs> won't please Lee very much, but sorry, Lee. <laughs> well, we'll wait and see what happens, of course. Only 10 days now until the start of the new Premier League season, where we'll be back to a seven-day-a-week podcast schedule. But for now, a few podcasts a week to keep you ticking over, and then we're back underway. Still loads of stuff going on on our social media pages, at The Sports Social on Twitter. You can search for us on Facebook and Instagram as well and find us on there. You can also visit our brand-new website, sport-social.co.uk, for all the latest Premier League transfer news and updates on your favourite Premier League side. And, of course, don't forget, to subscribe and then that way you'll never miss another episode again when the season does start again my name's Niall thank you Marley cheers mate thank you Steve cheers gents and we'll speak to you on the next podcast Football Social Daily the crown awaits with a 100% up to £150 plus 50 free spins over your first two deposits at kingcasino.com over 18s only terms and conditions apply please play responsibly be gambleaware.org Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.